The scripture reading for this morning is from Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Please stand for the reading of God's word. You foolish people of Galatia, who has put you under an evil spell? When I preached, I clearly showed you that Jesus Christ had been nailed to the cross. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law? Or did you receive the Spirit by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? You began by the Holy Spirit. Are you now trying to finish God's work in you by your own strength? Have you experienced so much for nothing? And was it really for nothing? So I ask you again, how does God give you his Spirit? How does he work miracles among you? Is it by doing what the law says? Or is it by believing what you have heard? This is God's word. Good morning. The Philippines and Southeast Asia has 100 million people scattered among 180 distinct language groups on many islands. Filipinos are primarily animists or very religious, but do not know the God of the Bible. God has done amazing work reaching many groups there. Now Filipinos are going out as missionaries, and God has used Bob and Colleen in this great work. I met Bob at Park Street Church in the early 1970s. Many of us who helped establish Westgate knew Bob. He went to the Philippines as a Bible translator in 1980. For 32 years as a couple, Bob and Colleen helped start rural churches and trained Filipino leaders who themselves started 200 rural house churches. Bob has published 10 books in Tagalog and English to train Filipinos to multiply disciples and churches. God has sustained him through stage four cancer since 2011, nine years. Bob, it is a delight and a privilege to introduce you this morning, and we look forward to hearing from you. Good morning. Thank you, Steve, for your faithful friendship and your introduction. I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak to you all today. And I'm very grateful to Westgate Church for the kindness and generosity you extended to me and my family over the last 40 years. You were one of four churches to send me to the Philippines in 1980. And I'm especially grateful for the way you accepted, loved, and supported me during the years following my failure on Romblon. The love and grace you extended to me made it possible for us to return to the Philippines and serve our Lord for the last 32 years. As a result, we had the privilege of seeing God expand his kingdom to many places it had not gone before. My message this morning is every believer on mission, locally and globally. My first lesson was failing in the Philippines prepared me for more effective service. I'd like to read to you Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5 in the New Interne International Reader's Version. I like this version because it helps people understand the text better. You fool foolish people of Galatia, who has put you under an evil spell? When I preached, I clearly showed you that Jesus Christ had been nailed to the cross. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by obeying the law, or did you receive the Spirit by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? 
you began by the Holy Spirit. Are, now, are you now trying to complete God's work in you by your own strength? Have you suffered so much for nothing? And was it really for nothing? Why does he work miracles among you? Is it because you do what the law says? Or is it because you believe what you have heard? I joined Wycliffe Bible Translators in 1976, and I went to Rome, Lone Island in the Philippines as a Bible translator in 1980, 40 years ago. I immediately encountered intense spiritual warfare the day I landed on Romblon. I had no training in spiritual warfare. I started experiencing spiritual attacks. The most frightening was at night. While trying to go to sleep, my body would shake me awake. My heart would pound and race, and then I could not sleep. I consulted many doctors over the next year. And doctors at the time had no explanation for my symptoms other than stress. There was no medical solution available at the time. Experts didn't even have a name for my symptoms. Today we would know what they are. On the island of Romblon, my fears grew and I could not sleep well at night. My days became a battle with fear and my nights became sheer terror. Late in 1981, I broke from the inside and left Romblon. I returned to the U.S. in 1982. I felt abandoned by God and could not understand why he let me fail. I was deeply shaken and broken inside. I could not concentrate more than 30 minutes in a day. Wycliffe provided a, trend, a counselor for me. I was even offered various jobs to do, yet I could not do those jobs very well, and I felt useless, worthless, and a failure. I could not live up to God's standards. I couldn't live up to anyone's standards, least of all my own. I lost all, all respect for myself and I have no basis to criticize anyone. I tried to explain to my supporters and supporting churches that I had failed, but they treated me like a hero. You treated me like a hero, and I felt awful. I read about others who failed in the face of spiritual warfare. Few ever continued in the ministry. Some turned away from Christ altogether. And I faced the question that Jesus asked his disciples when all his disciples, all but the twelve, had left him. He turned to the twelve and asked, Do you want to go away too? By God's grace, I chose Peter's answer. Lord, to whom do we go? You have the words of eternal life. I had no one else to go to. I had no one, nowhere to go. Um, I could not return to my parents' home in my condition. I didn't deserve the support of my supporting churches, but only one couple dropped my support. And this went on for a few years.
I could not understand why Wycliffe Bible translators did not ask me to resign. I couldn't understand why my supporters didn't stop supporting me. A few years later, I found a church in Dallas that was like a spiritual hospital. They accepted me the way I was. They treated me with grace, like my supporters and like this church did. It was hard for me to accept and receive grace. Yet, I needed their acceptance and help. I met Colleen in 1986. She accepted me and agreed to marry me. I did not and still do not deserve her or the grace she has shown me. In 1988, we returned to the Philippines, a miracle in itself. On Katanduanes, I discovered the true gospel of God's grace. In 1991, we were assigned to Romblo, I mean to Katanduanes Island. There I taught six men every week. We read and discussed every book of the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. While I was preparing to teach on, Revela on Galatians, the pieces of my life suddenly fit together. And for the first time, I finally understood the gospel of God's grace. I had encountered God when I was tw in 12 years old, and I knew his calling on my life from that time on. I heard and believed the gospel when I was in college. I shared my faith with many others, and some trusted Christ. But my faith had a defect. I had been living a Galatians 3, 1 through 5 life. Just like the Galatians, I believed I was saved by faith. But I was trying, like the Galatians, to gain God's acceptance and love by obeying the law and doing good works. I could not live up to God's standard. I could not live up to anyone's standards. And as I reflected upon grace, as, as, uh, on grace as an undeserved favor or kindness, my failure on, on Romblon made sense for the first time. I had been treated with grace and undeserved kindness by my supporters, by this church, by Colleen, and by mission leaders. God had treated me with grace, too. He had never abandoned me. He had allowed me to fail so that I could experience grace from his people so that I could understand God's grace. I did not deserve my supporters' help. None of us deserve to go to heaven. We all deserve to go to hell because none of us can fully obey all of God's laws. Romans 3, 19 to 20 says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and the whole world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And this is, by the way, a reason why so many people hate the law. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. 
and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So even the faith to believe in Jesus is a gift from God. At last, I understood God's grace as his undeserved kindness, acceptance, love, and blessing, just because we believe in Jesus, and not because of anything we can do, because even that was a gift from his hand. Well, then I began to wonder how many believers are just like me. How many are living a defective gospel? How many are still trying to earn God's acceptance and love by doing what's right in God's eyes? Perhaps some of you are living this way, perhaps showing undeserved kindness to imperfect people like me will help your relationships and win some to Christ. I discovered that preaching, teaching, and directly telling the gospel to people did not work well at all on Katendawanis. Asking people to make a decision for Christ didn't work well either. And praying to, with people to receive Christ only resulted in closed doors throughout the Beacol region. In fact, a whole neighborhood shut their doors to our family because I prayed with one man to receive Christ. Many said the Beacol region was resistant to the gospel. Others said it was the graveyard of missionaries. Well, we found in Naga City that that just is not true. We only needed to find a better way to present the gospel. In Naga City and on Katendawanis, I started experimenting with various other ways to present the gospel. Not all of them worked well. In fact, many didn't. Well, I tried an experiment in 2001 with a group of unbelievers. We began studying the life of Abraham in Genesis, and I did what we were told never to do. All I did was have a group read a Bible text beginning with Genesis chapter 12. I asked questions and did not teach. I didn't tell them the answers. I didn't preach. Instead, I asked the group to answer the questions from what the Bible text said. And to my surprise, they liked this way of learning, and no one ever left. And, so, and I had been trained to preach, teach, and tell. So I needed help, and Colleen gave me that help to learn to just ask questions and not teach. So I got to see the Holy Spirit use the Bible's own words to speak to people's hearts without me doing anything other than asking questions of the Bible text. I asked questions and God won every one of them to Christ. They discovered the true gospel. They trusted Christ. Their lives changed weeks by week. They became gifted leaders 
who later multiplied disciples doing what we had done, and every one of their children became believers too. I learned that people own what they discover. Our friends in Naga discovered the gospel by searching for the Bible's answers to questions we asked. They believed the Bible's truths they discovered, and they quickly applied what they discovered. Their lives were transformed. Marriages were healed. Parent-child relationships were healed. Broken relationships were restored. And these new believers started their own Bible discovery groups. More people came to Christ, and the leaders of that first group have baptized hundreds of new believers over the years. Because of that experience, I started writing Bible discovery guides for many Bible books. Each discovery guide has questions for every chapter of an entire Bible book. And this made it easy to train nearly everyone to lead a Bible discovery group. The leader's only task is to ask the provided questions. The group's task is to answer the questions from what the Bible texts say. And this makes the Bible and the Holy Spirit the teacher instead of the leader. This made it easy for leaders to remain friends with unbelievers as they wrestled with God and what the Bible said. As a result, we saw many, many genuine conversions and transformed lives. In Luke chapter 4, verse 2, and in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus encouraged his disciples to pray for harvesters. Then in Luke chapter 9, Jesus sent out the twelve. Now his disciples must have harvested new disciples because Jesus sent out 70 or 72 other disciples to, the, to harvest more disciples back in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 12. We discovered in Naga that it worked best to win the lost in small Bible discovery groups. Jesus sent disciples in teams of two. We quickly learned that Filipinos would never go out alone to do something. But when we tried to send them in pairs, they didn't want to do that either. So we eventually discovered that by forming teams of three and, three and four, just about every believer in a church could get involved winning the lost. The task we gave them was just this. Everyone has relationships. Well, in the course of your relationships, people tend to share some of the things they struggle with. Well, when you hear that they're struggling with something or having a problem or have concerns, you can ask, would it be okay if I pray for you? And if they say yes, well, then pray for them right there, right then and there for their concerns. That's simple. Just keep doing it. Make it a habit. And sooner or later, your friends, sooner or later, some of them are going to become open to know more about God. And as they start becoming open, you can invite them to join a small discovery group 
that prays for one another and reads a Bible text and discovers and, and, and discusses what they discover. Um, we found in Naga that it worked best to do this in groups of six to ten people. Um, and um, making, sending them out in teams to go do this proved very successful. They didn't individually, they didn't go as all together to each other's friends. They went, of course, just lived their lives. And it was such a simple thing to do that they were willing to do alone with people. But, and you can do this by video calls, um, but when you're ready to have people form together into a group, by doing this with three or four other people, it isn't long before you can get enough people to form a new group of six to ten. Working together in, in teams helped the shy, the depressed, the distressed, and those with disabilities to get involved winning the lost. Some children would even get involved doing this. Small groups of 10 or less can meet via Zoom or in person, even during COVID-19 in most places. Once most or all members of a small group are believers, we'll just include a time praying for missionaries, which may lead to helping to support one or more of them. Then have group members form again into teams or four, three or four, to go do it again. And by doing this, each team member will have a part multiplying disciples locally and globally. During the last several years of our time in the Philippines, we lived in Metro Manila, and we helped train many other people to do these kinds of things. But we also spent a significant amount of time learning to win entire families in their homes. We tried what we found worked in our own family. We first used discovery guides in our family as our kids got older um, and found that even when, even when they were fairly young, some of them could ask the questions and lead. Later, we used the same approach with two families that there was no one in either family who believed Christ. They were all unbelievers. And they were not all happy about having us in their homes, reading a Bible text, and asking questions for them to answer. But in the course of time, every single one of them trusted Christ, except for two, one in each family. One, because he was just simply too young. He was an infant when we started. Um, and the other um, got a job too early and wasn't there. For, to, to walk through some passages that would have probably led them to Christ. Um, perhaps doing these kinds of things can help some of you win the lost. If you're single, you may use the same this questions um, as a devotional time 
Or you can gather some single friends to get together with you and do it together. Um, children can pray for their friends and invite them to a small group. A simple set of questions we found was all that's needed. You didn't have to have the discovery guides. You could do it with a very, very simple set of questions that work for almost any text. And we're giving you a copy of those uh, along with a guide or um, and some instructions about uh, just simply asking questions. By God's grace, we saw eight new churches begin where there was no church in the Philippines. Neither Colleen or I are gifted evangelists. We are experiencers of God's grace. And by his grace, we ended up seeing a movement. All we did was train some leaders of another denomination and mission. And they, in turn, trained leaders that they knew across the Bicol region. And the people they trained started over 200 new churches within four years. The same thing can be done almost anywhere. And by grace, we were able to stay in the Philippines for 31 years as a couple. And by his grace, I'm still alive nine and a half years with stage four cancer. By his grace, I've seen our children start their adult lives. God, through his grace, has blessed us with loving, generous partners like you, Westgate Church. We did not deserve your prayers or your generosity. You have been an instrument of God's grace to us and by extension through us to the people we served in the Philippines. And we thank you sincerely from our hearts. May God bless you all. Have a great rest of the conference. Well, we're grateful to Bob French, not only for bringing us a sermon this morning, but for his many years of faithful ministry in the Philippines. Let's pray together. God, you graciously reveal your glory and your mercy in your will to use broken vessels to carry a holy message. We are humbled as we consider that you have called us, flawed as we are, to bring the message of salvation to those whom you have called. We know that life and redemption for all of our sin is only found in the death and resurrection of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the good news that the world needs most, and we pray that you would work through us to bring people to faith and salvation. We are thankful for Bob's years of faithful ministry, for the successes that you've given him, and for the ways that you have blessed and encouraged his family, even in the midst of difficulty and heartache. Please be with him and with us as we continue your work, as you continue your work in and through our lives. You are Lord, and we put our hope in you alone. Amen.